This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. This podcast is sponsored by viewers like you on Patreon through PayPal donations with YouTube memberships and Twitch subscriptions. To support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash humanist report or become a member by clicking the join button underneath any one of our videos on YouTube. Members get early access to most videos and get to participate in monthly Zoom hangouts with Mike. Here's the biggest stories we talked about this week on The Humanist Report. Enjoy the show. Out of the blue, suddenly Taylor Swift's the most famous person on earth. (laughs) Now she's at every NFL game with her boyfriend, who's backed by Bud Light and Pfizer. Yeah, because when she posted the link to the vote.org, it's like hundreds of thousands of young Taylor Swift fans all of a sudden registered to vote. I wonder who got to her from the White House or from wherever. Who makes that initial handshake? Some people think this is a massive psyop. Major League Sports in and of itself is nothing but a psyop. Sure seems planned. Sure seems like something that is like concocted in order to accelerate the fame of these two people, get them to the Super Bowl, the largest screens on earth, get maybe a get maybe like a proposal after the game. This is my this is what I think is gonna happen. There's gonna be like some type of proposal. At the after the Super Bowl is rigged for the Chiefs, and then the two of these people become it's like reach like crazy levels of absolute fame, and then they take all that fame that has been given to them by the rotted corporate press, media, entertainment industry that explicitly backs Democrats, and then they use that in order to try and save Joe Biden. Just imagine for a moment if people were as dedicated to Jesus as they are professional sports. Well, it turns out right-wingers have figured out Joe Biden's master plan to win re-election, and I think that this is foolproof. So let me walk you through it. Step number one, turn Taylor Swift into the world's biggest celebrity. Joe Biden did that. Check. She wasn't very popular before he became president, so... He did that. Then he got her to date a specific football player, one who in particular has done ad campaigns with Bud Light and Pfizer. That's really important. And then once you've gotten her to do that, you then rig the NFL for him to increase the status of both of them to turn them into a power couple. And now we're at the point where the stage is set. So all that's left is to rig the Super Bowl for her boyfriend so that way the camera can see him drop down on one knee after his huge victory and propose to her in a magical moment and after she says yes he then puts the ring on her finger and then the camera zooms in and you see biden 2024 engraved on the ring and then the crowd goes wild they start chanting biden biden and the entire country is captivated by that magical moment including donald trump who then sees that and drops out of the presidential race immediately and endorses joe biden after getting caught up in the moment just like all of us that is exactly how it's going to play out And the conservative geniuses who cracked the code see Biden's plan coming to fruition before our very eyes. So Tory Auden of the New Republic explains the Chiefs defeated the Baltimore Ravens Sunday night and will go on to defend their Super Bowl champions title. Much of the buzz around the recent Chiefs games, though, is due to the presence of music superstar Swift, who is dating the Chiefs tight end Travis Kels. The far right is convinced that the Super Bowl will be rigged in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs so that Taylor Swift can get more attention 
attention before she endorses another competition rigger, President Joe Biden. <laughs> I just think it's so funny that, like, as Biden's brain is melting out of his ears, they think that he's able to pull off this massive conspiracy theory. But they unironically believe that. They think, on one hand, well, you know, he very clearly isn't mentally competent, but on the other hand... He's competent enough to do all of this. It's, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Now, let me show you what I mean by that. So in response to Pizzagate conspiracy theorist Jack Posobiec, failed presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy writes, quote, I wonder who's going to win the Super Bowl next month. And I wonder if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially culturally propped up couple this fall. Just some wild speculation over here. Let's see how it ages over the next eight months. And once he spoke it into the universe, a lot of other conservatives began to see it as well. And they've convinced themselves that uh, the Super Bowl isn't just being rigged, but it's specifically rigged because of Joe Biden. It's rigged at his behest, probably because of him. Tim Pool, for example, writes, how old were you when you learned the NFL was fake? Well, I was today years old, Tim. Jack Lombardi chimes in saying, I have never been more convinced <laughs> that the Super Bowl is rigged with all the unneeded and unwanted Taylor coverage at the games. Casey's journey to the Super Bowl, totally scripted. Next, Travis and Taylor together at the Super Bowl appearing happy and in love. Then Casey wins, and then later announcing their support for Biden. Coincidental? <laughs> nope. Bought and paid for a couple. Shakes my head. Bookmark this post. Oh, I will. I absolutely will. Joe Manorino chimed in with a viral tweet, also claiming that the NFL is rigged and that they made sure that Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team won and calls her a true problem for our country, which is a bit um, melodramatic. But nonetheless, Nick Sorter chimes in saying, I haven't given a crap about the NFL since all their Black Lives Matter BS, but now I'm a 49ers fan specifically to see Taylor Swift and that Pfizer guy go down and just the picture that they included of him is so funny. Like him with the, the Band-Aid and the Pfizer logo. For some reason, that shit is so funny to me. But unfortunately for you, uh, it's rigged, so I guess that his team's victory is already predetermined. Sorry, I don't make the rules. But conservative flat earther Candace Owens also chimed in with a different take and reminded everyone how she accused Taylor Swift of being, quote, demonic, evil, and Luciferian, adding, of course, Satan wants to use her now to elect Joe back into the White House to destroy what's left of America. Well, of course, that's obvious, idiot. Now... <laughs> There's a couple of things that is fueling their hysteria over Taylor Swift. Obviously, she's one of the biggest stars in the world, and also she's a liberal with a significant amount of political influence. She was able to get tens of thousands of her fans to register to vote with a single Instagram post, and conservatives view that as a threat to their electoral ambitions. And they should. Now, second of all, there's this assumption that the media is fixated on her specifically because she's a liberal. So if you promote Taylor Swift, you're in effect promoting liberalism as well. So you kind of kill two birds with one stone, I guess. But on top of that, a recent New York Times article reports about how Biden aides view Taylor Swift as the endorsement of their wildest dreams, which has led to speculation among conservatives that there is a level of coordination between Taylor Swift and the White House. Now, in reality, I mean, America has always been obsessed with celebrities and who they date 
And this is like, I remember this since I was a kid. So this is really nothing new. And politicians have always tried to court any and all celebrity endorsements that they get. Even if they don't know the celebrity, just knowing that somebody is famous is important to them because clearly they want votes. Case in point. One of the big superstars of the world, Little Pimp. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> How is it going? Do you want to come up and say something? Do you want to? Come on. Little pump. Come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. MAGA 2020. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And do not vote for Sleepy Joe at all. I mean, Trump was genuinely excited to win the coveted Lil Pump endorsement, or as he called him, Little Pimp, which is amazing. Uh, but I mean, he hasn't been relevant since 2017 when Gucci Gang came out. But Trump was like, oh, he was famous at least a couple of years ago. I want that endorsement too. come up on stage, even though none of the people here know about you or have ever heard about you. But I mean, politicians know the value of celebrity endorsements, particularly during election years. So I just feel like it's so absurd to think that there's like this conspiracy surrounding Biden trying to get the endorsement of Taylor Swift. Of course, he's trying to get her endorsement. But I mean, there were no claims of Lil Pump being a psyop from liberals when he endorsed Trump. So the question is, why is it suddenly suspicious when Biden tries to court a celebrity endorsement? And I think the answer is because Biden is somebody who they think is already a bad person who rigged the election. So, I mean, if he could rig the election, if he's savvy enough to do that, He's also savvy enough to coordinate this massive PSYOP campaign with the NFL for a Taylor Swift endorsement. And maybe, you know, if he rigs the Super Bowl for her, for her boyfriend in particular, then she'll be like, well, since you did this to me, Biden, I have to pay it forward and endorse you. So thank you for rigging it for my boyfriend who does ads for, for Pfizer. <laughs> the situation is just amazing to me. Now, the reality is, like Trump, Biden is also clueless about celebrities and I would guarantee you he's probably never heard of Taylor Swift. And I say this because when he tried to reference her in a line that was probably scripted by one of his aides, he literally confused her with Britney Spears. Now, just to get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or 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 Britney's tour. She's down in, it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. So close, but yet so far. But that guy, according to conservatives, is surely going to rig the entire NFL for an endorsement that he doesn't even need because they think he's just going to rig the election anyway. You know, it's weird because if they actually believed Biden has as much power as they say he does, why even vote? Because it doesn't matter. He's just going to rig the election. And if he's going to rig the election, what's the point in rigging the NFL for an endorsement, right? They make so many logical leaps while not stopping to think, hmm, what's the motive here? Why do this if he's already doing that? But I mean, it's a conspiracy theory, so there's not much thought put into it. Only wild speculation and a little bit of delusion or a lot of delusion, I should say. But, you know. We've reached a stage in American politics where conservatives are so batshit crazy that Fox News has somehow become the voice of reason in a sense. Now, I say this because Brian Kilmeade, of all people, I think one of the dumbest people on Fox News, he responded to Vivek Ramaswamy's idea that Biden rigged the NFL and he shot it down. Okay, 
good for you, Brian Kilmeade. Now, he still had some choice words for Taylor Swift, but nonetheless, he shot down this stupid idea that the NFL has been rigged by Biden for Taylor Swift. Okay, number one, if there's going to be a fix at the Super Bowl, it'll be the biggest scandal in the history <laughs> of the world. Yes. Uh, it's the biggest game the whole world watches now. Nobody told the 49ers because yeah. I'm pretty sure they play tackle football pretty well, too. So it's a crazy yeah. statement. Their special strategy is to get young people to vote, is to have the, her support him. Now, he, she evidently tweeted out support for him, and I saw the full screen this morning. I don't remember that. 2018, mm. she went for the candidate, uh, Phil Bredson, against Marsha Blackburn. Uh, Marsha Blackburn yeah. felt that. She does have power. But it would be the single dumbest thing a mega superstar could ever do. Why would you tell half the country that you don't agree with them in this highly polarized time? You stay out of it. Hey, listen, I'm Taylor Swift. I like this guy. He happens to play football for a living. I'm on the stage yep. a lot, selling out. That's it. I think, I think it would be the craziest thing ever for her to do it. And Joe Biden's not worth it. I mean, my goodness. If you need Taylor yeah. Swift to get you another four years, that's how bad your first four years have been. You're done. You're finished. You're through. So Brian Kilmeade threw cold water on this insane conspiracy theory, and I think that that's really important. Kudos to him for doing that. I mean, this conspiracy theory isn't as damaging to the country as, say, you know, a conspiracy about the election being stolen. But nonetheless, I think that the less we get people to think in delusional terms, the better off we all are as a country. But I mean, you can still acknowledge Taylor Swift's political influence and be against that because, you know, she hurt her team while not jumping to hysterical conclusions about her and this scheme between Biden and maybe she's working with the deep state. But I mean, Brian Kilmeade is wrong about one thing. He does say that it's a mistake for Taylor Swift to endorse Biden. And that makes sense in theory. Like usually you don't want to split your fans in half and, you know, let them know that you don't agree with them politically if she does have conservative fans, which I'm assuming that she does. But as Brian Tyler Cohen points out, she endorsed Biden in 2020 and then proceeded to host the highest grossing concert tour of all time. So she's one of these celebrities that's just too big to cancel. I mean, she's not the only one with that level of fame and power. Elon Musk chums it up with white supremacists on the regular, yet he still gets government handouts for his companies. So some people are just too big and too wealthy, and that makes them untouchable in a sense. And anything that they do, it doesn't really matter because they're, they're, they're too big to fail, for lack of a better word. But going back to Fox News being the voice of reason, Judge Jeanine Pirro, of all people, made a sound point, I can't believe I'm saying that, about the political limitations of Taylor Swift's political influence, and she kind of implied that maybe conservatives are being a bit hysterical about Taylor Swift without actually saying that. But nonetheless, let's watch. People are Biden is assuming that if she gets involved in this election and she did support Joe Biden in 2020. So it's not unusual for her to get involved in politics. And you're right with the Marsha Blackburn. Marsha Blackburn kicked that guy's butt. But again, that's Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, but but with the young vote, a new poll shows that 18 percent of voters are more likely to back a Taylor Swift endorsed candidate. But listen to this. 17 percent are less likely to vote for someone she chooses. So they cancel each other out. Yeah. So don't get involved. Don't get involved in politics. We don't want to see you there. And but Joe Biden's in the hole with young people. He knows it. And if he thinks Taylor can get him out of that hole, he's going to go for it. I never thought that I would say this, but I agree with Judge Jeanine Pirro. What a world we're living in. You know, it's insulting to the intelligence of young people to assume that they care more about Taylor Swift's endorsement than, say, ending a genocide in Gaza. 
But she is right that Taylor Swift triggers both positive and negative partisan responses. However, what Pirro doesn't acknowledge is the negative partisanship she triggers can be offset by her registering new voters, which she is more than capable of doing and has demonstrated that she has been able to do. Now, that right there is why conservatives hate Taylor Swift the most. She's become so big, so famous that she is a literal threat to the Republican Party's power. But let's be honest. She's just a human being. She's not all powerful, nor do I think she has the power to single handedly change the outcome of elections. But let's keep it real. Conservatives don't like her specifically because she's a liberal. If she told everyone to vote for Donald Trump, they would love her. And all of this, you know, concern trolling about people worshiping celebrities would go out the window if she tells them what they want to hear. But to be fair, I think liberals would probably have the same response to her if she were conservative that Republicans have to her now because we do live in a highly polarized political climate. But we know that conservatives would love her if she were conservative because their criticisms of her are so incredibly ironic. And you'll see what I mean when you watch this next clip by Greg Kelly of Newsmax. They're elevating her to an idol, idolatry. This is a little bit what idolatry, I think, looks like, and you're not supposed to do that. In fact, if you look it up in the Bible, it's a sin. So I don't like that. Idolatry is a sin, according to Trump supporter Greg Kelly of Newsmax, the Trump supporting network, if not the Trump supporting news network. I mean, the irony just went right over his head, but he goes on to conspiratorialize about the potential PSYOP campaign that she's allegedly involved with to boost Biden. And look at one of the ways that he tries to make fun of her. I need to be on the right side of history. Yeah, and if he yeah, doesn't win, then at least I, I at least I tried. So, um, that is literally what Trump does all the time. There are memes about his weird hand gestures, but all of a sudden, weird hand gestures bothers Greg Kelly. I mean, what a hack. But on the subject of Donald Trump, he's also pissed off about Taylor Swift, albeit for a completely different reason. Rolling Stone reports, behind the scenes, Trump has reacted to the possibility of Biden and Swift teaming up against him this year, not with alarm, but with an instant projection of ego. In recent weeks, the former president has told people in his orbit that no amount of A-list celebrity endorsements will save Biden. Trump has also privately claimed that he is more popular than Swift and that he has more committed fans than she does, a person close to Trump and another source with knowledge of the matter tell Rolling Stone. Last month, the source close to Trump adds, the ex-president commented to some confidants that it obviously made no sense that he was not named Time Magazine's 2023 Person of the Year, an honor that went to none other than Swift in December. In other words, he's jealous of her. Now, I love the claim that his fans are more committed than hers because it's probably true since they literally did an insurrection for him, and I doubt that they would do that for her. But he can't deny that even though his fans might be more committed, her fans are way more intelligent, despite the fact that most of them are probably 12 years old on average. But one last thing that I do want to show you is a clip from OAN. And this host is going to use the Taylor Swift hysteria to concoct a new conspiracy theory about all sports, though. So they're broadening it out, but let's watch. America's pop star celebrity sweetheart joins forces with the top dog in the NFL, playing for the team that's going to the Super Bowl. I mean, let's be real here. This is bread and circuses on steroids. Major League Sports in and of itself is nothing but a psyop. Get kids plugged into the cycle of going to public indoctrination camps, playing sports for their school, and going to games. 
So then they become obsessed with some grown man who gets paid millions of dollars every year to throw a ball around while promoting poison death shots and child slave labor through various brand deals and endorsements. So sad. Imagine being so brainwashed by sports you actually show up to your team stadium to shovel snow for free so you can watch a bunch of grown men who are overpaid tackle each other. (laughs) Seriously though, trudging through three feet of snow amid a massive blizzard just to watch a game? Yeah, sorry, you couldn't pay me to do that. Just imagine for a moment if people were as dedicated to Jesus as they are professional sports. Listen, as somebody who is also not into sports, I would much rather prefer them be dedicated to sports than Jesus. I think that'd be a lot less harmful for society overall. But it's just so interesting to me that she thinks sports is a psyop, but somehow religion isn't. I just don't get the way that their brains work. Furthermore, imagine shitting on people simply finding happiness. I mean, like her, I don't get sports, but I'm also into things that people don't get, like video games. But whatever leads us to happiness or find some enjoyment out of our short time on Earth, I think that's that's good. Why shit on people because they enjoy doing something? I just don't understand that, but it really speaks to a growing trend with conservatives. They're not only becoming more detached from reality, they're also getting more detached from the rest of the country because while they conspiracy monger about Taylor Swift and the NFL, normal Americans seem to be enjoying the NFL just fine. Mediaite reports that this was the most watched AFC championship ever with a peak viewership of 64 million people. So they've just become so detached from the rest of the country which I think is a logical consequence of them becoming detached from reality, but it's one of the many reasons why they are struggling to find a message that resonates with normal Americans. They've just become too insulated and too tribalistic and overly conspiratorial, and they're just miserable fucking people, and that's why they're unable to win over Americans. But I mean, as desperate as they are to obtain power, I can guarantee relentlessly attacking and conspiracy-mongering about one of the biggest pop stars in the world during an election year is not going to help their cause. So it's an election year, obviously, and unfortunately, and during election years, I like to try to gauge where voters who I generally don't agree with are at just to kind of get a sense of why they're voting for who they're voting for. And of particular interest to me is Donald Trump supporters, because I am curious where they stand. And I think it's obvious where they stand. I can make a lot of assumptions about where they stand, but I've seen a couple of viral videos of Trump supporters lately that has led me to believe that they are somehow more insulated than ever, more delusional than ever. And I just feel like a lot of these folks, there's no saving them. There's no bringing them to reality. We have a president, former president now, who could very well win, and he's threatening to end democracy, and they're just a-okay with it. So rather than trying to show you clip by clip, I want to just react to some of these viral videos that I've seen and uh, share my thoughts. So the first one is this ABC News interview. They're going to talk to three Trump supporters, small sample size, right? But I think that these anecdotes are important. But let's just listen to what they say. Not only do these voters dismiss Trump's many legal challenges. My opinion is that the justice system is being weaponized against certain individuals. They stand by Trump's false claim that Joe Biden lost the 2020 election, even if it takes a minute. Do you think the election of 2020 was I don't know that it, I, I, I don't think that it was, yeah, I do. I think it was stolen. I, I, I don't believe that that many people voted for Joe Biden. I, 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 and I will never believe that. I mean, they're just so insular. 
they can't fathom that that many people voted for Biden because they themselves couldn't fathom voting for Biden. Okay, well, I couldn't fathom voting for Donald Trump or a lot of candidates. That doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't happen. It's just so bizarre that that's the logic that they use. You know, in the absence of evidence, which they have none, that the election was stolen, they just resort to, well, I just, I can't believe it because I would never vote for Biden. So I don't believe that that many people did as well. It's just mind boggling to me. I, I don't believe no matter how many lawsuits or court cases there no were. matter how many lawsuits or court cases when when something is proven um i think you have to investigate the other side of it i take it you believe the she uses the word proven i don't think she knows what that means election was stolen yes I do. you know people say well there isn't there isn't enough to overturn this particular election that really you put it all together i think there might be why aren't we looking at it how do you bridge the bitch we did look at it okay she just said if you were listening all these court cases it, it doesn't matter because one thing that we have to acknowledge is that facts are not going to be a contributing factor th to their opinion right this was supposed to be the side about facts don't care about your feelings well facts are something that it doesn't matter to them like they're they have this opinion based on nothing and their brains are impenetrable. You can't, you can't get through to them with facts. And that's something that I think is hard to accept, but it's true. Facts don't matter to these people. The divide in this country. You guys have very strong opinions. You have certainly heard people who do not like Donald Trump. I think if we really start to look at how we really have a lot more in common and we all really want the same goal. We want safety and security for our country. We want you know, um, our, our, our children to thrive. We want, you know, to be able to pay our bills. I think we have to get control of the media. I think we really have to. Get okay. Okay. Before we get into the media stuff. So I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. There's this idea that, oh, okay, well we can come together if we see our similarities, right? We all have, you know, a lot of policy agreements, right? We want the same thing. We want our kids to prosper economically speaking, but you don't. You're lying. I don't believe you when you say that because you keep voting for politicians who don't support the same thing, right? I mean, leftists such as myself have been screaming at the top of our lungs for years now about the benefits of Medicare for all, right? Uh, it would save us money every single month. Yes, our taxes would go up, but we would no longer have to pay what is effectively a private tax to a corporation to get shitty healthcare coverage, right? Uh, if you end up going to the hospital for some reason and in the ambulance, they take you to a hospital that's out of network, you're going to have to pay out of pocket. Our healthcare system is a mess and we say Medicare for all. How do you respond? That's socialism. Don't buy the bullshit anymore. You keep voting for politicians who openly say they want to cut Social Security, who are open about wanting to punish poor people for being poor cut SNAP benefits who don't want the child tax credit. So I'm sorry, I just, I don't believe you when you say you support these policies. I don't think you have a core political ideology. It's just fuck the other people. And so long as I'm doing okay, that's fine. You don't actually believe that the United States is a real community. You don't believe in helping your fellow Americans. It's just about the politics of retri retribution and revenge. And to be clear, I think that liberals are also part of the problem because in public opinion polls, they'll say that they support policies like Medicare for all, but then they never vote for the most progressive candidate in primaries. They end up voting for the centrist Democrat like Joe Biden. We had the chance to get Bernie Sanders and they went with Joe Biden. So everybody needs to stop complaining 
about the country not changing if you vote for politicians who want to uphold the status quo or, in the case of these individuals, make matters worse. But she says we need to get control of the media. What does that even mean? Because I have my issues with mainstream media as well. I think that we need to decommodify media. I think that it's bad for news to be a business, right? I think that you need to remove that profit incentive so that way the actual dissemination of news is goal number one. But in capitalism, it's really hard to do that, right? And that's why you hear these corporate talking points, you know, why they're so pro-corporate. They don't want to offend their advertisers. But she can't articulate th these things. It's just, oh, we have to control the media. Well, what does that mean? Just get them to be nice to Trump? Like, I'm just, I'm so frustrated because they are basing their strong opinions on ideas they pulled out of their assholes. And it's just, yeah, you can't reason with these fucking people. I've tried to. I have them in my family. You can't reason with them. I promise you that. To get control of the media if you want to unify people because I think that they have a way of really controlling the narrative. When Not Fox I News, though, right? Angelica about the First Amendment and freedom of the press, she said that should stand, but she wants just factual information. Oh, does she now? That's fucking ironic. <laughs> I just, <laughs> you see what I mean? There's no hope. Uh, for these people. I think that they're just too far gone. And that's not to say that every single Trump supporter is too far gone. But in 2024, after four indictments, 91 criminal charges, an attempted insurrection, two impeachments, fucked up policies for four years, and him saying he wants to be a dictator, but only for a, a day, if you're still supporting him, I think you're too far gone. I'm sorry. I, I, I think you are. That doesn't mean that you have to be thrilled about Joe Biden. You can hate Joe Biden. But if you actively support and encourage people to support Donald Trump, I just feel like there's no hope. You don't actually care about anything. Like you're just, you're basing your politics off of some amorphous idea of what you want America to be. And I don't even know what that is. I don't think you know what that is. It's just frustrating. Uh, but there's another video here that I want to get to. So this video here is from Luke Beasley. And I think that this is an older video, but he just posted it on Twitter recently. And this video really triggered me a lot because I I basically had a version of this conversation last week with one of my family members. And it's so frustrating. And you're going to see why it's so frustrating when we watch it. So uh, let's, let's see what she has to say. He said when he was running that he wouldn't defund the police and he's talking about biden by the way so obviously a trump supporter but uh cpac shirt so let's 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 hear on that and i think that's a huge reason why we so see so much crime today i think that biden has defunded the police where well i mean he hasn't defunded them but he's defunded a lot of the police notice how like him just asking her a question gets her to back down from her position <laughs> well he hasn't defunded them but uh he's defunded some and because that is done on a citywide level not the national that's level that's true that's true that's true um but i mean overall i think that, that this is the scariest times that we have lived in and he said okay this person's mind would explode if she learned that biden actually supports increased funding for police because guess what biden loves the cops he wrote the crime bill baby He's that author. Uh, it's just, it's frustrating. And I was talking to somebody. I'll, I'll kind of get to my conversation with my family member without naming them in case they see this, because they might. Um, all of a sudden, they have a really strong opinion about Joe Biden. And it's like, 
do you even know what political party he's in? Because this person is very apolitical, but all of a sudden they heard something that had them against Biden. And my my question was like, well, why? Because I have I have criticisms of Joe Biden as well. There are legitimate reasons to oppose Joe Biden. So why do you dislike Joe Biden? And the answer was, well, it's because Obama is controlling him. Excuse me? Okay, first of all, um, that's not happening. Second of all, if it were happening, why would that make you so vehemently opposed to Joe Biden? I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what policy reasons? Is it his foreign policy, anything that he's done domestically? Because there's a lot to be critical there. But this person was not saying, well, listen, I I support unions and Joe Biden, he broke up the railroad strike. I can't forgive him for that. There's no policy reasons. Everyone is just pulling stuff out of their assholes and they're having really strong opinions about this made-up thing. And it's so frustrating to me because we have to have informed opinions if we're going to be that passionate. But these motherfuckers are the most passionate people on the planet. And they have real strong opinions about things they don't know shit about. It's just shocking. Now, this video is of TYT. This one went really viral. And I actually admittedly have not seen it yet. I wanted to react on camera. But um, so this is a Trump supporter here interviewed by Michael Shore. And apparently he's going to, uh, based on the title, call for Democrats to be hanged. So let's let's see what he has to say. I'm giving you, you know, 20 seconds to say something to President Biden. If you had him right here and the camera was President Biden. I can't say what I want to say. I'm sorry. Well, say something that conveyed. would bring public hangings back. Simple as that. Okay, but then you got to say it. I think they should bring public hangings back and hang people like J Joe Biden. I really think you think that a pedophile, you think somebody would be a pedophile? Okay, he's getting into it. I was just going to say, I guarantee that he thinks that Biden should be publicly executed for like the dumbest reason imaginable or something based on no evidence. But it seems like he's going to call Biden a pedophile. Seen somebody that was a pedophile hanging up in the street, dude? No, I don't think so. I think they should give every American an assault rifle and a, and a, and a handgun inside of their home just in case a home vader or a child predator so just uh universal uh guns for everyone i mean look i support universal programs as a socialist um the top of my mind is like okay we've got to start with healthcare, then we've got to go to housing um i just how do you how do you win these people over you can't you can't and you know these are anecdotes yes but You've got to admit, this is a sizable portion of the American population who thinks this way, who believes this stuff. I have a member of my family who would also probably say something like this as well. I think Revelations is happening I before. Yeah, I, I think Revelations is happening right before our lives. And then, He's referring to the end times passage in the Bible. Um, for those who don't know, Christians have been saying this um, forever. Um, since I was a kid, you know, my religious family members were saying, well, this is revelations. We're in the end time. We've been in the end time for a really long time. Um, so how can it be wrong? How can they be wrong if it's just happening in perpetuity, right? I think revelations is happening right now. I never used to believe in God until I overdosed on heroin. And then I truly believed in God, man. And let me tell you, the world is about to be a sea soon. I think that hmm, sounds like a loving God. He's going to drown everyone, I'm assuming. And it's like, look, I understand that you have like a really huge, scary moment and your life changes and you feel like there was divine intervention. But if that leads you to believe in God, you have to also question like, well, why is so much bad things happening? 
uh, despite the existence of God? Why does he seemingly care more about me than other people who are suffering around the world? Like, you know, I prayed for my uh, my family and God delivered seemingly, but he's just ignoring the children in Gaza currently who are being indiscriminately bombed. Uh, it just, if you go one step further in your thinking, it kind of all falls apart, but let's let's continue. The border problem is a serious problem, dude. I think that soon it's gonna be the Hunger Games type issue, you know what I mean? But what would you like to see happen down there? I would oh God, like to that. see Trump get into office and eliminate the presidency. Simple as that. There shouldn't even be a president. Our company shouldn't be a corporation. Our, our country, my bad, shouldn't be a corporation. Simple as that. And there's a lot of pe evil people ruling this but world. He, he's running for the presidency Doubt, yes. doubtful he'll eliminate the presidency right i hope he does i hope he does because our forefathers didn't they wanted as little government as possible for a reason it's because the government's bad man mm. and and so the very first day if trump were to win again would you uh what, what's the first thing you'd like to see him do i think because of everything that's going on there's even if trump wins Things are going to be bad no matter what. There's a certain family and there's a certain higher-ups that control our country. And Which family is that? I, the Rothschilds, the fucking... It, it's the bankers, bro. Here we go. We shouldn't Here be involved we go. in banking whatsoever. The, a vision and what we are living right now, is it's not that vision whatsoever. I'm a constitutionalist. This is a constitutional republic. We're not a democracy. People who think that we're a democracy... Hey, dum dum. Wait, let me just let him finish. Democracy are idiots. Okay, you are an idiot. Okay. Democracy is an umbrella term. Okay, it's a very broad category, and within that umbrella is constitutional republic. There are various types of democracy. It's like saying, well, we're a presidential system, and anyone from a parliamentary system that thinks they're a democracy is an idiot. There are different types of democracy. Okay. So uh, don't be so arrogant about things you know nothing about, you dumb bitch. I mean, they're completely f They don't know their history. They don't, they don't read into, and they hide half of it from us. You know what I mean? They, our history books don't teach us what really happened. Who's hiding history right now? Oh my God, this is so frustrating. You see what I mean? Who's hiding history right now? Oh my God. In this country, I mean, come on What's now. being omitted uh, from history books that you'd like to see Jesus. back in the books? He's going to say Jesus our actual history instead of a corporated our actual history what does that even mean see it's like it's just fucking word vomit it's really difficult to um to try to find a way to win people back who are operating on a different plane of reality than you right there's not just like the trump delusional component but there's also this fundamentalist christianity that's involved as well that, you know, makes them kind of not have much of a regard for the country and the world because, well, everyone's going to go to a better place soon. Jesus is going to come back soon. So if everything goes to shit here, it doesn't matter because it's only a matter of time before he swoops down on the white horse and rescues us and takes us all to heaven. So when you're when you're operating on that plane, it's hard to get them to care about this life, right? It's hard to get them to care about the country and other people. Um, assuming they're correct and Jesus is going to come and like uh, drown us all soon, maybe until he drowns all of us. What if we had universal health care and free public education? Uh, it just 
there's no substance here. There's no concern at, at all for policy. It's just like these weird, amorphous grievances swirling around in their head based on things that they've heard, based on memes, based on conspiracy theories, based on anti-Semitism. And they somehow try to mold some political views out of that. And then how that takes shape is just like grievance, stupidity, politics. And how do you win these people over? I think the answer is you can't. They are too far gone. So what do you do with this knowledge? I've asked this question before, and I still don't have an answer for it. How do you go forward as a country You know, when you have a section of the population that is completely detached from reality? Um, and I don't know. I don't think there's a good answer. I don't think anyone can really answer that question. One of the Trump supporters said, oh, the way we go forward is with policy. But these people have proven they actually don't care about policy. They don't give a flying fuck about policy, okay? You can poll Americans every single day, and they will signal support for the best, most progressive policies. But when push comes to shove, they vote against their own self-interest. And I get that options are limited in the United States because we have a two-party system with a first-past-the-post, one-to-take-all fucking electoral system that fucks us all. But still, out of... Every single politician, you can't say that there hasn't been options that have been given to you. And every single time, they opt for the fuckheads over the ones who are progressive. So you don't support policy. So if you can't win them with policy, you can't win them over with facts, how do you win them over? Maybe you can't. So the question is, how do we go forward as a country? And that is the million-dollar question because I genuinely do not know, and I don't think that anyone is going to know ever because you saw pretty detached from reality, living in their own universe. I mean, goddamn. Well, it seems like Lauren Boebert may have actually screwed herself by switching districts. So she currently represents Colorado's third congressional district, which is more of a swing district, and she only won it by 546 votes in 2022. But after Republican Ken Buck in CD4, the next district over, announced that he'd be retiring, she decided to abandon her old district that she nearly lost in 2022 and run Ken Buck's, since it's a more solidly Republican district and thus a safer seat. The problem is that she now has to compete in a GOP primary and the earliest gauge that we have of that race indicates that Republicans in the new district she's trying to run in aren't actually a very big fan of her. Kelly Risman of The Independent reports, Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert finished in fifth place according to a straw poll, a devastating showing after the Republicans switched to run in a new district. Last week, Ms. Boebert competed against eight other Republicans in a congressional primary debate in Fort Lupton, Colorado in which she garnered just 10% of the straw poll vote, landing in fifth place, according to Colorado politics. Ms. Boebert earned 12 out of the 117 votes cast in the straw poll, the outlet reported. Damn. Now, there's a couple of caveats, okay? First and foremost, obviously, this is very early, and the sample size is super small, so it's not representative of the entire district. But having said that, though, this is still disastrous because we're talking about an incumbent Republican with national name recognition who was aligned with Donald Trump, the cult leader of the Republican Party. So it shouldn't have even been close. It should have been a blowout. But GOP voters in this district, they're like, mm, we have Lauren Boebert and a bunch of other people. We're going to opt for the no name Republicans over her. That is so wild to me. And to make matters worse, all of the local headlines in Colorado are talking about her fifth place finish because 
this really isn't something that a lot of people expected. For example, here's one headline from Colorado Politics, quote, Lauren Boebert finishes in the middle of the pack in straw poll at inaugural GOP primary debate. And they go on to explain who's ahead of her. Quote, out of 117 votes cast, Logan County Commissioner Jerry Sonnenberg, a former longtime state lawmaker, led the straw poll with 22 votes, followed by former House Minority Leader Mike Lynch of Wellington, who received 20 votes, Douglas County filmmaker Deborah Flora at 18 votes, and House Minority Whip Richard Holtorf of Akron with 17 votes. Bobert got 12 votes, narrowly edging out former congressional nominee Peter used 11 votes with three more candidates. So I find this incredible incredibly hilarious, obviously, because rather than going with MAGA superstar Lauren Boebert, Republicans at this debate chose to go with some obscure ass county commissioner. That has got to hurt if you're Lauren Boebert. And it's not just that Republicans seemingly weren't impressed by her. She actually faced some hostility at this forum. Colorado Newsline reports, as expected, Boebert faced sharp questions about her decision to move into a new congressional district to escape a rematch with Frisch. Quote, could you give the definition of carpetbagger? Lynch asked Boebert. Flora also asked a similar version of the question and referenced Boebert's criticism of a Democratic opponent from the 2022 cycle who lived outside of the third congressional district post redistricting. That's some hypocrisy burning right there. Boebert said she is proud to be Weld County's newest resident. Quote, my boys and I needed a fresh start. That's been very public of what home life looked like, she said. Boebert is newly divorced and her ex-husband was recently arrested for alleged domestic violence incidents involving her and her son. Quote, I tried to put it into a very pretty package and bring my ex-husband lots of honor, but since there's nothing private about my personal life, it is out there and my boys need some freedom from what has been going on, she said. But in a telling moment, no other candidate said they would support Boebert in the primary if they were not running. Four people said they would support Sonnenberg. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Now, to make matters worse, she was seemingly humble bragging at the start of the forum, and she said something to the effect of, look, I'm here to earn your vote. I'm here to earn your support. This is not going to be a coronation. And I find that really funny because you probably wouldn't say something like that unless you wanted to make your opponents who you thought you would beat feel better because voters would overwhelmingly side with you. But I mean, that's not the case. So it's, it's funny to me that she said that. And if you'll notice, she wasn't able to define carpetbagger. And using her ex-husband as an excuse to switch districts is so bizarre to me. Yes, he was arrested for alleged domestic violence, so she has my sympathy there. That's not her fault. However, it feels gross to use that as a justification to switch districts because we all know that you switch districts specifically because if you stayed in District 3, you would have lost to the Democrat. So you can still get a fresh start by moving somewhere else in your old district. It's a very large district. But I mean, she's not doing that. She's using that as an excuse, which is so weird to me. But I mean, this is Lauren Boebert we're talking about here. So she's not running to actually serve her constituents. Everything is about her. And she's kind of gotten a big head since being in Congress. And uh, maybe that arrogance is coming back to bite her in the ass. It's already starting to at least. But I mean, you can't blame her for being cocky when there are people who say things like this about her. So Reddit user CrunchM shared this mind boggling tweet on the white people Twitter subreddit. And it almost made my head explode. So it's from Scott Greer, who lists his height and IQ in, in, in his Twitter handle. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily scream confidence to me, even though that's what 
what he's trying to project. But my only question is, okay, but what about your location and social security number? List that in your bio or in your Twitter handle, and I'm going to definitely think you're confident. But anyways, he says, to those who might say the right needs its own Taylor Swift for young women to look up to, nobody's saying that, but whatever, I answer, we already have that. Her name is Lauren Boebert. Needless to say, I don't agree with Scott Greer, six foot two IQ of 187. It's just... Can we can we maybe go back to the time where we view politicians just as politicians and not as celebrities? God, American politics, such a mess right now. And for those wondering, no, he's not trolling. This is an actual right winger who has this opinion, unironically. Now, it's just shocking that anyone would view Lauren Boebert as a role model. I mean, even if you're trying to find specifically Republican women to be role models, there are better ones than Lauren Boebert because Lauren Boebert isn't a good role model given the fact that she uh, likes to publicly shame victims of rape. She wrote this on Twitter recently, an $83 million judgment given to a woman who can't even tell you the date or time she encountered President Trump. The precedent this sets for men in this country is absolute terrifying. It is truly unbelievable how weaponized our system of, quote, justice has become. I'm sorry, but does that seem like a wonderful role model for young women? She is attacking... E. Jean Carroll at the behest of her rapist who defamed her, Donald Trump. What a real champion for women. If that is who you view as a role model for the GOP, then I guess that explains why the party is in the shape that it's in. But I mean, you kind of see why she's extremely arrogant, right? She's immersed in MAGA world. She's kind of become a superstar like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she's part of the club. And when you're on top of the world, you probably feel like nothing can bring you down, which makes it all the more painful when you inevitably get reality checked and then realize, hmm, I'm not as infallible as I thought. But on the subject of role models, Chris Perez of Denver Westward shared a video from the candidate forum she participated in and says, quote, incredible moment in first GOP debate for CD4 as candidates are asked to raise their hands if they've been arrested. Six candidates raised their hands, including Lauren Boebert and Mike Lynch. They then proceeded to cheer and high five each other. So here's a quick clip of that moment. I love how she said it a second time to get more laughs, but they only thought it was kind of funny the first time. Embarrassing. Now, listen, I thought that this was supposed to be the party of law and order, the party who is against felons voting because that's what they're trying to do around the country. But all of a sudden, having an arrest record is something to be proud of. And when it comes to Donald Trump, if he's convicted on any of his 91 charges, they all probably think that it's perfectly fine for him to be president, even though normal people lose their right to just vote if they're a felon, if they're convicted of a crime, right? So it's just, it's so hypocritical to see them all laugh about this after they've been on this whole tough on crime shtick for decades now. And I wouldn't be as annoyed if they actually supported restorative justice and thought that felons should be allowed to vote. But the problem is they don't. So it's elitist because it comes across as, well, you know, when we do crimes, it's fine. But when poor people do crimes, they should lose everything, their right to vote. But when we do it, we can still run for president. We can still run for public office. It's just very uh, gross. So, I mean, even if Lauren Boebert loses, CD4 very clearly is still going to go with some ghoulish Republican who's as bad as Bobo, if not worse. But with that being said, do I still hope that she loses? 
Yes, because I think it would be hilarious and possibly the biggest self-own in the history of American politics if she literally lost her election after switching districts specifically because she thought that she would have an easier time getting reelected. If that happened, oh, it'd be it'd be amazing. Like you can't beat that. So I'm crossing my fingers and I'm hoping that the universe delivers. But for them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. You heard that right. According to Nancy Pelosi, if you're part of the majority of Americans and 68% of Democrats, by the way, who supports a ceasefire because, I don't know, maybe you're against mass murder and don't think that your tax dollars should be funding a genocide, well, congratulations. You are doing Vladimir Putin's bidding. She actually said that with a straight face on national television. And what's amazing is that as she goes on TV and gives her entire base the middle finger, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before she sends us even more text messages hounding us for money. See, because she doesn't want your input, but she will happily take your money. So please donate. It's just so ridiculous. But for the first time in a really long time, the Democratic Party is facing real resistance from their own base, and they are clearly not taking it well. And we've seen basically two ways that they've responded to this. The first is to just respond to your base protesting you by antagonizing them further. Let's see Exhibit A with John Fetterman. This is what he did when ceasefire protesters showed up to his home. This is the kind of representation that we have in America, folks. Rather than trying to have a conversation with people who are his constituents, he instead chooses to go on his roof and hold up the flag of a country doing a genocide to antagonize them. Great guy. But he's not alone, because back in October, Pelosi also saw protesters show up to her home for multiple days in a row, and her response was arguably more unhinged. And this brings us to Exhibit B, which is the second way that Democrats respond to ceasefire protesters. And that's to just deny that they even want a ceasefire. Democrats want the ceasefire. The Democrats want the ceasefire. I have no connection with China. She actually told them to go back to China. Nancy Pelosi, Democrat. Now, as Hunter Polly pointed out on Twitter, Pelosi literally criticized Trump for his xenophobia when it came to COVID-19 and him calling it the China virus. And rightfully so, because she acknowledged that led to an increase in hate and bigotry against Asian Americans. But just a couple of years later, she's already telling Americans, mind you, to go back to China. It's, it's just so insane. And listen, on a human level, I understand that they're irritated that people are protesting them at their homes. It might seem inappropriate to them, but it's not personal. It's politics. These are people in positions of power. And they are using their power to support a genocide. So as long as that continues, the protests will continue. And in my opinion, they don't deserve a single second of peace so long as they continue supporting this mass atrocity. But notice how she is choosing to uh, just not believe that her base is even angry. Instead of like trying to, I don't know, engage with them and address their concerns or maybe change policies even. 
She's just resorting to delusional Trumpian conspiracy theories. See, when Americans protest Republicans, then we're being paid by George Soros. But when Americans protest Democrats, then we're being paid by China or Russia. It must be so convenient to just blame Russia or China or George Soros instead of grappling with the actual concerns and anger of voters. But to be fair, she did entertain the idea for a second that like maybe they're genuine. It's possible, right? But... She then took the McCarthyism to the next level by calling for the FBI to investigate these ceasefire protesters. I'm not kidding about that. So here's her comments in full context. One of the challenges that Democrats might have in organizing is some anger in some corners of the progressive movement mm -hmm. over Biden's, Joe Biden's support for Israel in its war uh, against Hamas terrorists. How concerned are you, especially given the fact that we have seen protesters over and over and over uh, at his events, how concerned are you that people, young people, Arab Americans, progressives, I'm not suggesting that they're going to go vote for Donald Trump, but how concerned are you that they might just stay home? Well, let me just say this, because I've been the uh, recipient of their, shall we say, exuberances in this regard as recently as in Seattle on uh, Thursday, unfortunately, wanted to disrupt our very exciting democratic meeting there. They're in front of my house all the time. So I, I, I have a feeling for what feelings they have. But we have to think about what we're doing. And what we have to do is try to stop the suffering in Gaza. This is women and children, people who don't have a place to go. So let's address that. But for them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these, some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some, I think, are connected uh, to Russia. And I say that having looked at this for a long time now, as you, you know. You think some of these protests are Russian plants? I don't think they're plants. I think some financing should be investigated. And I want to ask the, the uh, uh, FBI to investigate that. But apart from that, let's just say it's all spontaneous and sincere. Let's say it's all spontaneous and sincere. Young people care about the right to choose. They care about LGBTQ issues. They care about preserving the planet. They care about gun violence uh, prevention. That's what they tell us. They care about our democracy and the freedoms that are contained in some of what I said. So they're going to have to make a decision, staying home to enable or to agonize, organize, yeah. not agonize, but organize and get out there and get the job. I have every confidence that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be president and vice president of the United States. I know we will carry the House. I'm confident that we can improve our numbers in the Senate, and we can do it because we're gonna own the ground with our organizing. We're gonna have a message of values for our country, and we're going to have the resources to get the job done. It's so interesting how she can say that we should stop the suffering in Gaza, but then won't call for a ceasefire, which would stop the suffering in Gaza, and then also suggests that anybody supporting that position of stopping suffering in Gaza, which she purports to support, is just doing Putin's bidding. Like, the mental gymnastics here are so insane, you can almost see 
them in her head like you could see you could see the gears turning because she's trying to find a way to spin this but she just she looks like shit and i think that she knows she looks like shit now i'm not sure if you noticed though but she shifted the blame away from the democratic party and onto young people because remember the question was if biden's actions would lead to them staying home but she then says well young voters have to decide if they choose to enable trump by not voting as if voters would be the ones to blame in the event trump won I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way, Nancy. Your job is to win elections by mobilizing your base. You have all the money, you have all the power, and voters in this instance are using their limited power to tell you what they want. If you are unable to mobilize your base because you are refusing to listen to them and you subsequently lose that election as a result, that failure is on you and you alone. You don't get to blame them for that. That's your fuck up. You own it. But what we're seeing here from Nancy Pelosi is cope. And she uh, alluded to the protests happening nonstop, which is why I think she's coping so hard. And it just happened in Seattle, as she mentioned in that clip. And here's a clip of that protest. Nancy Pelosi, you are complicit in the Israeli crime of genocide. I'm an Iraqi refugee and I watch your government. You represent, kill a million of my people. You killed 70,000 Afghans, and now over 30,000 Palestinians have died due to your complicity. We demand an end to the Zionist occupation of Palestine. We demand an end to the 17-year-long brutal siege of Gaza to be lifted. We demand an end. End the occupation now! 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 Free, free Palestine! So this keeps happening, but rather than changing her position, she's choosing to just complain. But Nancy, you are a public servant. Emphasis on the servant. Your constituents elected you. They donated to you and canvassed for you. They are your boss. It's not the other way around. And they're telling you they are dissatisfied with what you are doing. But rather than course correct, she's essentially just telling them to go fuck themselves. Now, political scientist Ian Bremmer offered a defense of Nancy Pelosi's conspiratorial comments on Twitter, writing, quote, Putin benefits from continued war in Gaza and expanded chaos in the Middle East. And I'm sure that they do. But understand what he's trying to do here. He's trying to make it seem as if she's not just conspiracy mongering like Trump by throwing out wild claims with no evidence. She's actually reasonable to suspect that Russia might be behind this given their meddling before. But the problem with this logic is that if Putin benefits from this chaos, why would Democrats like Nancy Pelosi enable him and do his bidding by not calling for an immediate end to this conflict? Maybe she's being paid by Putin after all. I mean, she does take hundreds of millions of dollars from large multinational corporations and foreign lobbyists. I mean, who's to say who's pulling her strings? See how two can play that game? If the chaos benefits Putin, then why would you support the chaos continuing? They don't think that far. It's just defend mommy because she's getting criticism for saying something very stupid. So we have to defend her.
Defend her honor at all costs, even if it makes us look stupid as a political scientist, which is heartbreaking to me. Now, furthermore, as Peter Wade of Rolling Stone explains, quote, many other nations have called for a ceasefire, as have some appointees in the Biden administration. Maybe they're also paid Putin puppets. The International Court of Justice on Friday ordered Israel to take action to prevent acts of genocide. Last month, 153 countries in the United Nations General Assembly voted in favor of an immediate ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. The U.S. and Israel voted against the resolution and 23 nations abstained. And I'm sure that all 153 of those countries are also under Putin's thumb, every single one of them. You see, because it's so much easier to just blame Russia rather than take accountability for your own actions and the actions of your government. So why not just do that? I'm going to try that next time. Next time I mess up, I'm just going to blame Russia or blame David Dole or something. You know, <laughs> that'd be the equivalent, right? It's just, it's so insufferable. I, I just, these are the people who are running our country. It's sad. But here's the bottom line. The protests are not going to stop until our government stops supporting a genocide. And Nancy Pelosi should be ashamed of herself for spreading conspiracy theories about these protesters, but I mean, she has no shame. But it's exactly what we've come to expect from this corrupt, elitist, out-of-touch, delusional piece of shit. We are choosing who's going in and out of the event. I'm sorry. Why are you choosing us not to go in when we have an invite? Right, you specifically singled us out. <laughs> That's racist. Is it because we have the jobs? I'm happy to talk to so it is. someone else. It is, because it is. that's clearly, <laughs> I, I was afraid of this. You that's singled us out, out of everybody. What? Isn't out that against Democrats? Whole campaign? That's very Islamophobic. That's very racist. I'm sorry. Are you? That was a snippet of a viral video recorded in Las Vegas on January 27th outside of a Get the Vote Out event featuring Vice President Kamala Harris. And as you just saw, two Muslim women wearing hijabs were denied entry despite having RSVP'd for the event in advance, which then prompted CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, to issue a press statement asking why two Muslim women were conspicuously barred from the event. And that led to Biden's rapid response director, Amar Musa, writing this on Twitter. Quote, these individuals were among the group of people not allowed to attend Saturday's event after previously disrupting and shutting down events with Democratic elected officials. But here's the problem. That was not explained to them outside of the event, and it should have been, which then prompted them and other attendees to just assume that they were being racially profiled. Let's watch. Keep coming through. We have you're an part invite. of the LGBT community too, right? And you're still going to kick us out? Come on through. Are you serious? That's crazy. Wow. I, now I really won't vote right. for Biden and Harris. That's crazy. Can they come in? They, they were already. Why not? It is because why isn't it? We have an invitation. No, here, don't come up with excuses because I. You are a black woman and you're coming up with excuses for racism as well. I didn't. I didn't give you an excuse. I'm letting you know. I'm letting you know that you clearly. I'm letting you know that you've been disinvited from the event. Yeah, not a great look at all. But before anyone got an actual explanation, that clip right there garnered more than a million views on Twitter. Not a great look for the Biden administration who is currently struggling to win back Arab American voters. And the worst part is that 
all of this could have been avoided. They could have just given them the reason why they were disinvited, or better yet, just not disinvited them at all. Just let them in regardless, and if they protest, they protest, because guess what? They have a right to vocalize concerns with the vice president of the United States, who's part of an administration that is aiding and abetting a genocide in Gaza. In fact, the best way to stop these disruptions altogether, aside from just disinviting hecklers, is to listen to your base and stop doing a genocide. But this is just one of the many humiliations the Biden administration has faced recently as a result of their ongoing support for genocide in Gaza. After a disastrous poll by the Arab American Institute showed his support with Arab Americans cratered due to his support for Israel, his team finally decided to go to Michigan to try to meet with Arab American leaders and maybe rebuild this bridge that he burned. But none of the people that they invited actually showed up which is incredibly embarrassing, but I don't know what he expected. The mass murder of Gazans has not stopped. So why would he think that they'd even be open to dialogue with him when an obvious precondition to a meeting would be an end to the genocide in the first place? But I mean, the anger towards Biden goes beyond his continued support for Israel's genocide in Gaza because he's now making matters worse by instituting policy changes on his own volition that will literally starve Gazans to death by cutting off aid to UNRWA, an organization that the Biden administration itself has acknowledged is crucial for Gazans. UNRWA has done and continues to do invaluable work uh, to address the humanitarian situation in Gaza at great personal risk to UNRWA me uh, members. Uh, I believe it's over 100 UNRWA staff members have been killed doing this life-saving work, uh, and we continue to not only support it, but we continue to commend them for the really heroic efforts that they make uh, uh, oftentimes uh, while making the, the greatest sacrifice. So that was State Department spokesman Matt Miller articulating the Biden administration's thoughts on UNRWA on January 17th. But fast forward to today, and that's somehow still their official position, seemingly, at least based on what Blinken is saying, despite the fact that the United States and other countries have suspended aid to UNRWA following allegations that a dozen staffers were involved in Hamas's October 7th attack. Now, the evidence comes from Israel, and Secretary Blinken even admitted that the United States hasn't even conducted an actual investigation themselves before deciding to cut off aid to UNRWA. Times of Israel reports, quote, we haven't had the ability to investigate the allegations ourselves, but they are highly, highly credible, Blinken said during a press conference. Blinken stressed that the UN Agency for Palestinian refugees plays an indispensable role in providing assistance to civilians in the Gaza Strip and that no one else can play the role that UNRWA has been playing, certainly not in the near term. Isn't that amazing? So, no, we haven't investigated the allegations ourselves. And yes, we do know that UNRWA's operation is crucial for the literal survival of Gazans, but we're going to cut off aid anyway. We're going to punish all Gazans for the alleged acts of 12 staffers out of an organization of 13,000 staffers in total. But the organization is very important. Make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, in the last video that you saw, Max Miller referenced the 100 UNRWA staffers who were killed. But that language there is also part of the problem with the Biden administration. These staffers didn't just die of natural causes or spontaneously combust. They were murdered by Israel. But the Biden administration is still refusing to acknowledge the war crimes being committed by Israel, despite ample evidence. And they're not responding to Israel's war crimes by cutting off arms or punishing them in any way. 
He just pretends like it's not happening and bypasses Congress to transfer even more weapons to them. And Joshua P. Hill pointed out this double standard via Twitter, writing, Israel kills over 100 UN workers. Nothing. Israel alleges 12 UN workers are Hamas. The West defunds aid to hundreds of thousands of starving people. It's just so ridiculous. And if this report about 12 UNRWA staffers is correct, you punish those staffers specifically not the entire organization, because in doing so, you are effectively administering collective punishment to all Gazans. They don't deserve to suffer for the crimes of 12 staffers. And the result is going to be, I don't even want to say catastrophic, because there's not language to really articulate how bad this is going to be. Here's just a couple of gut-wrenching quotes from CNN about the mass famine already ensuing in Gaza. Quote, they are weak now. They always have diarrhea. Their faces are yellow. Al Jamara, whose family was displaced from northern Gaza, told CNN on January 9th. Quote, my 17-year-old daughter tells me she feels dizziness. My husband is not eating. Her husband, by the way, has cancer. Quote, we are dying slowly, reflected Al Jamara, the mother in Rafa. I think it's even better to die from the bombs at at least we will be martyrs, but now we are dying out of hunger and thirst. Mohammed Hamouda, a physical therapist displaced to Rafa, remembers the day his colleague, Odeh Alha, was killed trying to get water for his family. Alha was queuing at a water station in Jabalia refugee camp in northern Gaza when he and dozens of others were struck by Israeli bombardment, Hamouda said. Unfortunately, many relatives and friends are still in the northern Gaza Strip suffering a lot. Hamouda, a father of three, told CNN, they eat grass and drink polluted water. Just stop for a moment and think about that. They are eating grass and drinking polluted water to survive. They know that drinking polluted water is going to make them sick, but they have no choice. It's that or die of thirst. It's just the level of suffering being inflicted on Gazans with our tax dollars, mind you, is incomprehensible. We can't ever fathom that much pain and suffering unless we've lived it ourselves. It's a nightmare situation. And what little resources they had is now being cut off by the Biden administration. I never, ever want to hear him talk about how cruel Donald Trump or any third world dictator is ever again. I don't ever want to hear the United States talk about human rights because what we're doing here is monstrous. And to make matters worse, as Biden aids a genocide in Gaza, he's also at home working out a plan on immigration with Republicans to shut down the border and deny people their human right to apply for asylum after our foreign policy, by the way, and drug policy destroyed their countries. Biden is an absolute fucking monster. And what he's doing now is just it's so unforgivable. But thankfully, even people like Bernie Sanders, who haven't been brave enough to call for a ceasefire, are demanding a reversal from the Biden administration with regard to the UNRWA policy. Bernie says, quote, we cannot allow millions to suffer because of the actions of 12 people. The U.S. and other countries must restore funding to stave off this humanitarian catastrophe. Now, also, Rashida Tlaib echoed the same call, quote, to take concerning allegations as fact without any investigation, especially in light of the Israeli government's well-documented history of using torture and obtaining forced confessions as a means to suspend life-saving aid demonstrates the emptiness of the Biden administration's claims to care about Palestinian lives, Tlaib told Politico in a statement. Now, AOC said the same thing on Twitter, writing, cutting off support to UNRWA, the primary source of humanitarian aid to 2 million-plus Gazans, is unacceptable. Among an organization of 13,000 UN aid workers risking the starvation of millions over 
rape allegations of 12 is indefensible. The U.S. should restore aid immediately. And good on these progressives for calling on Biden to do the bare minimum here. But I want to get back to his standing with Arab Americans because it's easy to see why they are so outraged by the Biden administration. Aside from the policy, things are now even worse because they're now seeing viral videos of Muslims being disinvited from get out the vote events and they're not getting any explanations, so they just assume that they're being racially profiled and that Biden doesn't want their votes. I mean, the level of incompetence here by the Biden administration is genuinely jaw-dropping. Seeing that viral video is like adding insult to injury, literally. Biden couldn't handle this situation worse if he tried. And he doesn't need to try to placate those of us who are angry by wagging the finger at Netanyahu again while continuing to give him more weapons. He needs to cease the U.S.'s participation in genocide immediately. Anything short of that may cost him the election. And if it does, he'll only have himself to blame. Want more? Visit HumanistReport.com for links to our full catalog of videos on YouTube, Means TV, and Facebook. You can also find audio versions of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms. And before you go, consider supporting the show on Patreon or through YouTube memberships. You get early access to most videos, invites to monthly live chats with Mike, and you'll be thanked by name at the start of the next episode. There are other ways to support the show. You can like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share our content on social media. Thank you for watching.